Christ is all. And, you know, I thought I knew that, <laughs> you know, years ago. But in any situation, in any temptation situation, in any heartbreaking situation, you're not going to find healing and, and, and wholeness anywhere else. Hi, everyone, and welcome to First Person, a weekly conversation with an interesting guest who always points us to the person of Jesus Christ as the one who gives purpose to life. Our guest this week is musician Ron Block. For the past 20 years, Ron has been the spiritual touchstone of Allison Krauss in Union Station, contributing sterling musicianship on banjo, guitar, vocals, and songwriting. We'll meet him in just a moment. First, let me invite you to join us online at firstpersoninterview.com, where you'll find an archive of past programs as well as a calendar of upcoming interviews. It's also easy to receive First Person automatically as a podcast when you sign up through iTunes. Check us out online at firstpersoninterview.com and also on Facebook. On one of my trips to Nashville recently, I asked Ron if we could sit down in his home studio and talk about his life story. Ron Block is a talented musician, but he gives God all the glory. And I started by asking him when and why he came to Nashville. I moved here uh, with my wife in 1990. Uh, Her sister and husband were already living here. And uh, I just wanted to play music. So I, I I felt a pull to move to Nashville in about 1990. I had a sort of an inner witness of time to go <laughs> and yeah, and moved here uh, and in 1991 started playing with Allison. Was that the told. Lord's leading to bring you here? I believe it. I, I've, I've had um, several things in my life. I've had very strong inner uh, feeling or conviction and that was one of them. And mm-hmm. the other one was – another one was getting married to, my, to Sandra. Mm. And then another one was uh, when I was in my late teens about playing music. I knew I was supposed to do that, and I wanted it too. So now we're sitting in the studio that's in your own home. So you come down here and just sort of practice, enjoy playing yeah, for, for no particular audience, or yeah, I, I still I love playing and I, I practice a lot. And and you know lately I've been getting back into writing more, uh-huh. uh, songwriting. So I've been doing that. Yeah. So this is sort of my little. Workplace. Okay, it's fun to be in someone's uh, private space, so to speak. Yeah. Because I'm looking over here and I see a whole lot of old records on oh, the yeah. shelf. Now, what what would I find if I went over there? And- you would find the 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 oldest records I have um, come from when I was a teenager, and those are all the all the bluegrass records are from that period, or most of them anyway. There's a there's everything from Bill Monroe, Flat and Scruggs, Reno and Smiley, and all the you know really classic bluegrass on through. Um, the 50s and 60s, the country gentlemen and bands like that, um, Red Allen, J.D. Crow, um, and then Crow and the J.D. Crow in the New South in the 70s, and then Tony Rice in the you know 70s, 80s, 90s. You know, it's just it's a history of bluegrass. What so, drew you to bluegrass? I saw uh, Lester Flatt on television. Uh, in I grew up in California. So there wasn't a lot of opportunity to yeah, see bluegrass. Not so, exactly a breeding ground for bluegrass musicians. No, but there's a scene out there. But I didn't know that at the time. I was about probably uh, 12, and I had been playing guitar for maybe a year, year and a half. And uh, I saw I saw the CMA Awards one year. I think it was 78 maybe, 77. And I, Lester Flatt played on there and of Flatt and & Scruggs, and, uh, and he had a banjo player. And it just it just took me right huh. then, just like huh. that. Wasn't so, Earl Scruggs the one who used to teach our friend Mike Card the banjo? I, I seem to remember something I think about so. that. Yeah. I think so. 
Yeah. <laughs> Small world, huh? Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> so you come to Nashville. Uh, did you have kind of stars in your eyes? What did you expect when you came no, here? No, I, I, I wanted to play music, you know, as a teenager. And as I got more and more into playing, I realized that's what I wanted to do. So, so I've always loved the thing itself. And, you know, it's been great playing in the band I'm in. And, you know, all the things that go along with that, it's great. But the music is really it. You know, you lay down on your bed at night and it's whether you did a good job. You know, it's it's not even what other people perceived it. I get the feeling with you it's almost a, a, another language music is for you. It can, it can be, yeah. You know, I, I, you know, music really, I think one of the reasons I was taken with it so much is, you know, I had some kind of some emotional turmoil when I was, a, you know, young very young in my childhood. So I felt like, I always felt I had a deep well in there. And so early on I was able to play uh especially on the guitar and put emotion through through the music. Mm. So you started with guitar? Yeah, I started with guitar and uh and got into banjo. I was about 13. And then and then I kind of have continued on parallel tracks, you know, alternately working more on banjo for a while or working more on guitar, but always on those two those parallel tracks. How did you get to be so good at it though? I mean, Lots of guitar players. Yeah. Uh, not as many banjo players. Yeah. Right. Well, there's lots of banjo players too. Yeah. yeah. I think. I think the. I th- there's a lot of great players out there. So many. I think the only thing is, I've managed to find my own kind of sound just by loving what I love and studying what I love. How do you describe that sound? <sighs> On the banjo, it's kind of like. Uh, you know, Earl Scruggs, J.D. Crow, Jimmy Martin, School of Banjo, but sort of with electric guitar influences and, mm-hmm. and sort of jazz modal influences, you know, th- that kind of thinking. I had a book that was really influential called The Advancing Guitarist by Mick Goodrick, who's a guy up at Berkeley. So so every player has a little different twist, a little different style, yeah, their own imprint. On- yeah, their own imprint, and then also their own uh, pool of experience. And I think that's really crucial. I think I think it takes um you can't you can't really be an artist without some kind of suffering hmm. because you got to have something to put into the music. Well, Ron, here we are in uh, your own studio and um uh, I saw on Facebook recently where you posted a song. You came down here what one night and started yeah. playing What a Friend We Have in Jesus? Yeah. And you put it on Facebook. Yeah, yeah. It, it blew me away. I loved hearing That's that great. song. That's great. I just wondered if we couldn't share it right now with listeners. Absolutely. You want to talk about what you're doing here, what you're playing? and Well, I uh, I played, uh, I have a 1938 uh, Martin D28 Herringbone guitar, and uh, it's a beautiful sounding guitar. And I, at first, uh, for the first guitar, on there's two guitars I played on this. For the first guitar, I tuned down to open G tuning, so it's real ringy and open. And I sort of just played a verse, and then and then I just backed up what would be the other guitar. So I just kind of thought through it as I was playing, and then I added the uh, lead guitar to that. Well, let's take a moment and listen to it right now. Great, Great old favorite. What a friend yep. we have in Jesus. Ron Block.
has such a a warmth to it. What a friend we have in Jesus. Yeah, yeah. I one of the things I try to do is think of the words when I play a tune like that, so that when I'm you know, playing the notes and phrasing it, I'm thinking of what the song is about. So I think that does come through. Hmm. Are we going to hear more of that kind of music from Ron Block? Yeah, you know, I, 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 that, that, it's sort of the beginning of a guitar hymns sort of thing. I might have a little bit of banjo on there, too. Looking forward to more of that music from Ron Block and looking forward to more conversation with Ron coming up on today's edition of First Person. Next time, our guest will be author and pastor, Dr. Erwin Lutzer. Knowing God has become so important to me that whatever God may choose to do in me or through me really is secondary to the whole question of the value of knowing God. We'll learn about the early life and calling of one of America's great pastors, Erwin Lutzer of Chicago's Moody Church, speaker on Running to Win. That's next time when you join us here on First Person. Let's get back to the conversation with Ron Block. It took place in his home studio near Nashville, Tennessee. I asked Ron to talk about his early life when he experienced some turmoil. I did have turmoil, uh, but up until I was about five years old, you know, things were relatively good. And then my parents split. Uh, you know, that itself caused some inner problems. It mm-hmm. always does mm-hmm. in kids. And, uh, and then throughout the next few years, it was I did a lot of moving around. And I had step-siblings step come in and out of my life, you know, be there for three years and then disappear. And I had a lot of that sort of detachment producing, <laughs> you know, stuff happen in my life. And so by the time I was a teenager, I kind of had a low sense of self-worth. And then I started playing music. And, of course, it was the perfect hmm. attachment. If you're good at something and you don't feel good about yourself, suddenly you go, oh, I feel good about myself yeah. through this thing. And yeah. so, you know, eventually it becomes an idol. You, yeah. you that it happened for you that way. Yeah, yeah. I've I was I've been a believer, you know, since I was I think since I was little. I mean, I really, um, I read my Bible my whole life, you know. But I really, I think I really got it when I was about seventeen. Hmm. But that's when the you know that self worth thing through music was really taking hold. Mm-hmm. And as I went along, and high level players liked what I did, it gave me a sense of gratification, which is natural. But that's the thing I was fueling myself on. And uh, so by the time I joined Union Station, you know, that that was in full swing. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, I joined a band that were, they were thrilled to have me in the band and I was thrilled to be there. It was the very thing I wanted to do Why? with my life. Why? To play with them, you mean? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I, I, I remember seeing Allison in 88 and really just thinking that girl is just something. She just knows musically what is going on she just had a real musical sense about her and her singing was great and her playing was great yeah just pure isn't it it's pure and and there's also a vision there that i i could really get behind Hmm. so i really wanted to be in the band and then plus some of my favorite players were in the band such as dan and well dan wasn't there yet but it was tim stafford who's now in blue highway uh barry bales who plays bass with us still and Adam Steffi. So those three guys were just the rockinest rhythm section mm-hmm. that I could possibly imagine. Mm-hmm. And then later, of course, getting to play with Dan Tominski and yeah. now Jerry Douglas. It's yeah. 
Jerry's a hero. So. so you went into that with this foundation of the Lord holding you. I mean, you were really committed to the Lord at this point, right? Absolutely. So if you hadn't had that and yet had all that success with Union Station, what? I have no idea where I would be. Uh, if if I did if I had not had you know the Lord in my life and you know really actively seeking God's will and what He wanted for me, I just had a great misunderstanding about what the Christian life was. You know, I thought it was forgiveness, and then you go and try to be like Christ. That's it's like that's half the gospel. <laughs> I follow you on Facebook, and it's fun to to read what you post because a lot of people post some pretty trivial things, but you you post some pretty Pretty deep things in the Lord, and I just want to talk to you about that. You you must read a lot, right? I do. I I really try to. Um, sometimes I don't spend enough time reading like I should, <laughs> but but I do. I do try to read a bunch every day, and you know I I engage in Bible study quite often. Not every day. So what are you reading right now? Uh, I've been reading a lot of Jean Guion, and she was a French woman who was, you know, imprisoned and also was put later under house arrest for actually saying that union with God is possible in this life and, to, you know, that we are mm-hmm. able to have relationship with God and live in union and be... That was, that was very radical in that was, day. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because it was more forgiveness-driven and the church held the kind of held the power mm-hmm. of that. How, how about in the Word? What are you reading right now? You know, uh, Ephesians has been, you know, on my mind uh, as, as of late, and then also um, Colossians. And then also uh, Romans 6, 7, 8, which really is the key to a lot about how to live the Christian life. 6, 7, 8 is a center of a centerpiece. So living in Nashville as a very successful musician, um, a lot of people fall into a lot of different traps. What, what keeps you from falling into those pits? Oh, uh, I, th- I think I've fallen into some of them along the way, you know. I, um, you know, it's like the self-worth through music kind of thing. I mean, that's just – it's natural for people – if you don't have Christ as the center, you're going to put something else there. There's not. It's not a choice between Christ and nothing or something else. It's a. It's a choice between Christ or something else. Mm-hmm. And if Christ is not central in all areas of your life, in whatever area He is not central, you're going to have idols. You're going to have things that are that are uh, twisting your humanity to a different end. Mm-hmm. And you feel free to be yourself, who you are in Christ. You feel free, even on stage. Uh, Pretty much. Well, you know, I've I've been uh, of late been going through, uh, you know, bringing this revelation of what I learned in the mid '90s about Christ living in me, bringing that into my gift, you know, music. It, bringing it, not just saying I have an identity in Christ. I'm a son of God. I'm an heir, and. You know, I'm one spirit with the Lord. He mm-hmm. lives in me. Not just saying those things, but saying he gave me this gift for a reason, and I cannot um, let what I think other people think of it direct me in any way. Okay. I'm not saying anybody thinks bad of it. I'm just saying I can't let you my— You can't squander it. You can't squander it on on worrying about other people's— um, what your perceptions of other people's perceptions are. It's like, it's, but see, that's sort of the satanic mind game. And if you get into that, which I have many times, you end up, it ends up squelching or, or uh, squashing your musicality. Mm-hmm. Where do you uh, go to find friends who support you in, in the spiritual side of who you are? You know, um, I, I go to a church here in Franklin 
that's really wonderful. Uh, Steve Berger's the pastor. So you're grounded there. Yeah, and I have a there's a weekly Bible study we have most Wednesdays that I go to, and um, that's really helpful. And just along the way, you know, people like Andrew Peterson and Randall Goodgame and and all those guys, they're a huge blessing to me. And I don't get to be around them very often, but when I do, it's just a really it's a great time. It's a lot of laughter. And, yeah. I was going to say, it's not all serious stuff, though. No, is it? it isn't. It isn't. And, and that's part of the fellowship. It is. It's it's just a release kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So. It's kind of a, a pressure valve that gets uh, yeah. released, and you're free to be who you are. Yeah. Another another great songwriter. I just We just had a bunch of songwriters here at the house the other day. Lee Holland was here. Um, uh, Eileen Patterson, who's from Ireland, and Julie Lee was here, and it was it was wonderful. So there's there's the same mm-hmm. kind of thing there. You said you're doing more writing. Is that music or is that writing? Writing? No, I I really think I focused a little too much sometimes on writing essays and writing, how, you know, explaining how to live the Christian life. Where I wonder sometimes about good, better, best. That's a good thing. And it's a good thing to put posts on my website and all that. But is it the best thing I can always be doing with my time? It's just I think it's just easier for me to go that route because I kind of know the ropes of that. And when you're songwriting, it's it's always for me at least it's uh, it's throwing a bunch of stuff up in the air and seeing what happens. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's so, risk involved. Yeah. So where do you start with a song? I just come down here. I came down here the other morning, and uh, and it was it was it was Tuesday morning. Uh, Julie Lee was over here. She's a great songwriter here in Nashville. And uh, she was over here with some other songwriters the other night. And uh, she said at the end, we were talking about songwriting. And I, I said, well, I've been really dry. And she said, well, you gotta kind of got to look where you're spending that energy, that creative energy. And so I never really thought of it as you have a limited amount of energy and you're spending it. You're going to spend it. Mm-hmm. So you just like you have a limited mm-hmm. amount of time and sure. you're going to spend it every day. And so it really made me think. So the next morning I came downstairs and I had had this Jean Guion poem sitting on my desktop and I just picked up an instrument and started humming through it. And, you know, a short time later I had a melody and then I thought, how do I bridge this verse, 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 verse and make it interesting? And so I figured out some guitar stuff. So that's it kind of starts usually with the music for me. But it's got to come from somewhere. you got to put something in to get something out, right? You have to sit your rear end in the chair, (laughs) (laughs) contact, (laughs) you know, otherwise otherwise it never gets done. If you just wait till you feel like it, it never gets done. Yeah. But, I mean – you're living life like the rest of us with all of its distractions. Oh, yeah. How yeah. do you protect that time? You know, I, I have to be fairly protective. Um, sometimes uh, I tell my wife and kids, I say, call me if there's blood. <laughs> 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 you know, because I have to if – I'm, if I'm not on the road and I'm working downstairs, I do have to protect that time. I do have to look at it as work time. And I have to be careful because I use my computer all the time. I have to be careful about what I allow myself mm-hmm. to do. Sure. You know, it's, it takes a real discipline, which I don't always succeed. Well, Ron, again, thanks for the invitation to come to your place, uh, your your private songwriting place, your, your <laughs> place where you come and just play for yourself and for the Lord. But uh, last question for you. Yeah. Um, what does Christ mean to you? The older I get, the more he means all. You know, Christ is all. And, you know, I thought I knew that, <laughs> you know, years ago. But the older I get, the more I realize it's the only place to go in any situation, in any temptation situation, in any heartbreaking situation, he's the only place where you're going to find solace. You can find anesthesia elsewhere, but you're not going to find solace. You're not going to find healing and, and, and wholeness. 
anywhere else. It was a real treat to sit there in Ron's own studio and look at all those guitars and banjos on the wall and see them as mere instruments, tools that he uses. What really gives Ron purpose in life and purpose to his music is the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, we've placed links to Ron's own website at firstpersoninterview.com. There you can read more about him, his solo CDs, his work with Allison Krauss and Union Station. And by the way, their new CD is coming out called Paper Airplane. And you'll also find Ron's writings at his website. And you'll find the link at firstpersoninterview.com. Well, if you're a new listener to First Person, welcome to this weekly conversation designed to encourage all of us to thank God for His faithfulness and calling. We can be found on Facebook and Twitter using the respective buttons on the front page at firstpersoninterview.com. You can reach us through Facebook or by sending your email to info at firstpersoninterview.com. Again, that's info at firstpersoninterview.com. Next week, our guest will be Dr. Erwin Lutzer, pastor of Chicago's Moody Church, the author of dozens of books, and the speaker on Running to Win. We'll learn about his early life and calling. With thanks to my friend and producer, Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepherd. Join us next week for First Person. Person.